My God, I'm going to see my grandbaby today, so I'm happy. I'm content. Y'all in trouble? That means I'm not in any kind of hurry. I'm kidding. I'm in a hurry. I'm not slowing down. I'm not slowing down. I can't slow down. I got one speed, baby. You can't handle it. Remember what I told you last week? Repent, therefore, Acts chapter 3, and be converted, that you may partake in the times of that shall come from the presence of the Lord. You remember what I told you that word refreshing meant? It was amazing. It is the only time that word is used in the Greek language in the entire New Testament. It is never used again. Other words are used for refreshing and refresh and revival and all these other kind of things. But no, that Greek word was only used in that one place in the whole New Testament. And here's the definition of it. It means to catch your breath. How many needs to catch their breath? Come on, somebody. And it means revival. It's literally in the Strong's Concordance. I love what one of our brothers in the church said. He was commenting last week on the message, and he said, you know what, I, I trust my pastor. I always do. But I like, he tells us all the time, study for ourselves. He said, I got home after one of the most incredible services that Sunday morning. Last Sunday morning, I've been in a long time. And he said, I got out my old trusted Strong's Concordance, and I looked up the word refreshing. And lo and behold, it means to catch your breath and revival. And he said, you know what? I come Sunday night. I walked in believing God for a miracle. And when I walked into the sanctuary, pastor had on all three screens, expect a miracle. Praise God. He said, when I saw expect a miracle, I just expected a miracle. And he said, I got my miracle. I'm talking about Brother J.R., y'all. If y'all don't know Brother J.R., he was told in January that he by, the, by March he would be in a wheelchair and never walk again. But God touched him Sunday night, and it ran around this whole building. Somebody shout, this is that. I ain't got time to review everything. Go, go watch it online. But I can tell you this, we're in the book of Acts, Holy Ghost headquarters. Some people think Acts chapter 2 is just Holy Ghost headquarters. Acts is Holy Ghost headquarters because it is the acts of the apostles. It is, the, it is that. It is the story of what happened and what was launched in that upper room. It's about harvest. It ain't about you getting a goose bump on your goose bump. It ain't about you feeling something where your hair stands up. It ain't about you falling out because some preacher bopped you on the head and flopping around some like some guppy out of a fishbowl. I ain't got a, no problem with you falling out. But I'm preaching today about something bigger than falling out. I'm preaching about something today bigger than your huckabucking and your shouting and your hyperventilating preaching. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about Something that changed the world. Now, you know they come out of that upper room. They went from 120. They went from thousands down. Watch how God grows a church sometimes. He'll take you down in number before he can take you up. Bishop Clint Brown told our leadership, he said, that's the beard. That's Aaron's beard. 
He said unity is like the one the oil is poured upon the head and it flows down to the beard and into the body. He said, you know what the problem is? The reason the body dies and the reason the body dries up is because the beard, which is supposed to be the leadership of this house, sucks up all the anointing and becomes stingy with it. And they go, they get a little wild hair and they go on and they got oil dripping all over the place and it ain't never making it to the body. He looked at me and he said, Pastor Larry, I'm telling you what the Lord's telling me to tell you. It's time for you to trim the beard. Here's something about trimming the beard. What I found over the years, I'm talking about leadership that don't want to lead anymore. Most of the time, I ain't even got to trim it. They trim themselves. Come on, somebody. But they went from thousands that heard the command to be in Jerusalem down to 120. When they hit 120, the Holy Ghost fell. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. They started dancing just like we were dancing a while ago. And just like we, you visit them today, you think, man, this, these people are drunk. These people act like I used to act in the club, man. What's wrong with them? That's the same thing that happened in Acts chapter 2. Go read your Bible. Because the Bible said the sound, the commotion, the party, the dance floor. Come on, somebody. The, 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 something was shaking. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. And all of a sudden, the people in the community heard the sound. The Bible says was attracted to the sound and said, look at those fools. They're drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning because it was the third hour of the day. They're already drunk. Peter stood up. Oh, thank God for Peter. He stood up and that's what this is all about. He said, I know you think they're drunk and I'm not denying that they're drunk. They're just not drunk the way you suppose. Hallelujah. This is that. Six hours later. You need to hear that. Six hours later. They were not only out of the upper room, but they were on the mission field. They were praying. They went to a place where they knew people was needing miracles, the temple. Acts chapter 3, they walked into the gate called Beautiful, and there lay a man lame from his mother's womb, not from birth, from his mother's womb. They didn't have sonars back then. They didn't have CAT scans back then. How in the world did Luke know that he was already lame in his mother's womb unless God told Luke to write that? God doesn't need a sonar. You know what? Why the world? Y'all don't want me to go there, but I'm going to tell it. I'm going to tell you. While the world's trying to determine when life begins, trying to find a heartbeat, and just saying, you know, if we find a heartbeat, let me tell you something. God don't need to find a heartbeat. He's the one that put the heart in it to beat. If a life was created by God, he doesn't need a doctor or a politician or anybody else to tell him when life begins. If you can't hack it, get your jacket. Give me some money, the guy said. Silver and gold have I none, is what Peter said. But such as I have, I give unto thee. It, watch, watch, this is where I'm going today. This is my introduction. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. Notice he didn't say rise and walk. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. Then he reached down and pulled him up. Do you understand? We got it backwards in the modern church. Even in the Pentecostal church, 
just because we feel with the power of the Holy Ghost, just because we feel with a this is that moment, sometimes we get so cocky. We go in with our name, our authority, our church, our sermon first, and then we ask, God, look how we pray. Blah, 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 blah. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you understand? We wait till we get through saying everything that we want to declare, and then we bring Jesus' name in. I got news for you. If you really want to be effective, here's how you pray. You pray to the Father in Jesus' name. You start your prayer off, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Before you ever ask for Alabama power to be paid, speak the name of Jesus. Before you ever ask your kids to be saved, speak the name of Jesus. Because it is the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that's got the power to cast out devils. We always say, in my name they shall cast out devils. Not they shall cast out devils. In my name, they shall cast out devils. Remember when the sons of Sceva tried to cast out devils? They said, they said that to the, that a demon-possessed man, they said, we command you in the name of the God whom Paul preaches to come out. In other words, he was mimicking the authority of a man. He thought Paul was, was something special, and he had an ability to do something, so he won't call out the God of Paul. The demon-possessed man, this is in your book, of, the book of Acts in your Bible. It would be a good thing if you start reading the Bible. And in the, in the book of Acts, he says this. He looks at him and says, I'm going to tell you something. This is the demon talking, y'all, not the man. The demon begins to speak. I know this Paul you're talking about. And I surely know this Jesus that Paul preaches. But I ain't got a clue who you are. And you know what happened? The demon jumped out, jumped on them, and it wasn't nothing enough to just jump on them. Stripped them butt naked. Listen, this ain't no top and shadow, folks. Look it up. Butt naked means butt naked. Butt naked. In the original Greek, it says butt naked. No. <laughs> Running through the streets. First New Testament streaker. So here we are, y'all. This man jumps up, being lame from his mother's womb, and starts dancing and shouting. And running. And everybody in the temple saw him. And Peter is so awesome. Peter didn't just hang right there. Peter didn't say, if that would have been us, we would have camped right there and started a church called the Church at the Gate Called Beautiful. And we'd had everybody show up at the Gate Called Beautiful. But he goes, this is awesome, but we got more work to do. Let's go. So he starts walking away from the man who just for the first time in his existence, is walking and dancing and shouting. And the Bible tells us something very strange. It says, and he grabs a hold of Peter and John and would not let go of them. So in other words, wherever they went, he made sure that he was tied to the man of God. 
See, some of y'all want to get a y'all want to get a word from God, then go do your own thing and break all the ties of those that God has put in your life to lead you. Now listen to this. Listen to this. They make it over to a place called Solomon's Porch. He begins to preach, but while he's preaching, the educated people, the people that had been attracted to the sound had now followed them into the temple, and all they could do is look at this man. Now watch this. Peter says in Acts 3, why are you so amazed at what God has done? This is nothing for God. But please understand. Go back and read it. I didn't do any of this. I did this through the name of Jesus Christ. And guess how many people got saved? 3,000 people. So in six hours, you got to get this. In six hours, there ain't no growth conference ever, growth conference for pastors to go to to learn how to grow a church could ever tell you how to grow a church from 120 to 3,120 in six hours. But that's what happened when they saw this man, the miracle. That's why we're having miracle services, because people don't believe in miracles anymore. But when they see miracles, they're going to know God is doing something. They is undeniable. 1126, if you got to take a pill. I'm going to pause for a minute. Go ahead and get it out. If you, need, if you need some water, we'll get you some water. We'll make sure that everybody's good. Everybody's good. Y'all taking your medicine? All right, good. Here we go. So my introduction. <laughs> are, you, are you glad that I took time for you to take that? Yes. The Lord can bless you, sister, and you ain't got to take that anymore. <laughs> that was my introduction. I'm going to preach for the next 20 minutes. Acts chapter 4. I had to tell you all that to get you there. So I need, I need you to know everything I just said just happened. 3,000 was saved. You with me? Acts chapter 4. We're just picking up where we left off. Now, as they spoke to the people, watch this, the priests, the captain of the temple. That's the police, y'all. The temple had their own police guard. And it wasn't just the police showed up. The captain of the entire police force showed up. Oh, y'all ain't hear me. As they spoke, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. They were greatly disturbed. What's what disturbed them? That Peter and John taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Mm. So they lay hands on him, not the way we lay hands on him here. That means they tried to arrest him. The police put them in custody, custody until the next day, for it was already evening. So in other words, they didn't have the ability to judge them that night. They held them overnight to be judged. Verse 4, however, somebody shout however. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000 people. So in six hours, they went from 120 to 3,120. And we don't have the timeline that it was happened from then, but they were still standing there preaching with this man who had been healed, and here is police, priests, 
Sadducees, the Pharisees, they're all there. We don't know of what all these groups they came from, but while they've got Peter and John in cuffs and they're taking them off praising, 5,000 people is yelling, Jesus, you are the king. I want what they have. So, all they were doing was preaching the gospel. They were not preaching hate speech. They were not downing anybody other than calling out sin. They were simply preaching. And remember what it said that has disturbed them so much. That they were preaching Jesus and that he is resurrected. See, the world doesn't mind you calling yourself a believer. They'll even say on TV that they believe that Jesus existed. Other religions will acknowledge him. But where everything separates is when you as a believer say, not only do I believe that Jesus walked this earth 2,000 years ago, I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father but by him because he's the only one that suffered and was crucified for my sins and on the third day came back from the dead. They don't want to hear that. Are y'all hearing me? But this church grew 8,000 people because of the miracle of one man. Now, of course, the gospel had to be preached and it was demonstrated by the disciples, but let's make no bones about it. The crowds were there because they could not believe what they were seeing. It did not make sense to the mind. 8,000 people. Do you know what that tells me? This is what I wrote in my notes. Solid Rock Church, we are just one person, one miracle on this kind of level away from a thousand people showing up next Sunday. We are one AIDS patient who's been given weeks to live, healed right here from the masses coming and saying, tell me about Jesus. We are one person in a wheelchair who is paralyzed from the neck down, trusting God. And with what little strength they have, Jesus, I believe. And they stand up and walk out of that wheelchair from the nation saying, does he still do miracles? And I'm not talking about one person away from packing this building. I'm talking about, remember, this, that ain't what they were doing. They wasn't trying to pack no building. They were standing out in the air, in the open air. They were wanting that miracle to attract people to Jesus. Am I preaching right? But religion can't stand that. Religion is man's way of taking something simple and making it difficult. Religion is demonic. He was surrounded. Jesus' enemy was not the sinner. Quite frankly, it was the church. When I say the enemy, you understand what I mean. The one that gave him opposition, I should say. He had the greatest opposition from church folk. You didn't get it from sinners because sinners didn't heard what, the, what he could do for them. They've come to him saying, I don't care who you are. Remember when one blinded eye guy had his, had his sight restored, was brought in to the temple? 
They said before, I know you're blind, now you can see, but that ain't what we care about. All we want to care is this. All we care about is ask just one question. Do you believe he's the Messiah? Do you believe he's the one that you, this is what the blind man who can now see said. He said, I'll be, this is in your Bible. He said, I, I'll be honest with you. I'll be straight up with you. I don't even know if he really is who he says he is. All I know is when I got up this morning, I was blind, but now I can see. <laughs> you can call him whatever you want to call him. I'm healed. Religion is disturbed by preaching a resurrected Jesus. Religion cares more about critiquing your preaching than a lame man walking. Religion will argue that Jesus broke the law by healing someone on the Sabbath. You're going to look at somebody who was blind, who had leprosy, who was deaf, and now they're healed. But all religion cares about is that you didn't do it on the right day. You think that leper, you think that blind man cared if it was a Tuesday? Stop, 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 stop. Don't pray for me. It's Sunday. It's Sabbath. It's Saturday. It's Saturday. It's the Sabbath. Don't pray. Don't pray. Don't pray. I appreciate it. Could you come back tomorrow? So they arrested them, listen, for simply doing one thing, preaching a risen Savior. Now, before you fall into the trap of thinking that was thousands of years ago, we are enlightened people now. Can I tell you something? It may shock you. The church around the world is more persecuted today than it has ever been in its existence, even by the Roman Empire in its first stages. People are being martyred for their faith by alarming numbers, thousands, every single day. They're being burned. Their villages are being mowed down with machine guns by Muslims. Their head, they're being beheaded. But you say, it's easy for us to just see that on the news and think that's over there. Or on another, another level, you look at Europe. Europe is becoming one of the most de-churched, because it was formerly churched, but the most de-churched, unchurched, atheistic continent in the world. The majority of the Christians 20 years ago was in America and Europe. Now we're no longer the majority. The majority of the Christians now are in Central South America and Africa. In Asia. And we look, to, we look to Europe and to Canada, and I'm not trying to be political here, to, to be the model of enlightenment. What you may not know, in Canada, you cannot preach the gospel on the street. You will be arrested. In London, England, you cannot preach a resurrected Jesus, or you will be arrested. You don't believe me? Fire the video. This was four months ago. Turn it up loud. Turn it up loud. Fire it. Turn it up. Turn it up. If you want. His name Start it over. Start it over. I want them to hear the first thing. Because they, they, they say I'm going to try to arrest you. I can be arrested if you want. His name is Preacher Alu. He's a London street preacher who was arrested last Saturday for breach of the peace and Islamophobia. Phone video of his arrest was spread worldwide on social media. The woman who shot the video, Ambrosine Shitrit, spoke to CBN News in this exclusive interview. 
a man with a hoodie was trying to humiliate, to be aggressive towards this Christian street preacher. I could see that he was a Muslim man because he was talking about, no, Allah is the right way. But London police didn't arrest the Muslim man threatening a Christian preacher. They arrested preacher Alu. Britain is officially a Christian nation, but if someone is street preaching and another person complains about it, British police are quick to move in. I'm going to require you to go away. You can never. Okay, then I will arrest you for a breach of peace. Plain and simple. What breach of peace? It's what you're doing at the moment. You're causing problems, you're disturbing people's days, and you're breaching their peace. But Shitrit says the only person being disturbed by preacher Alu was the Muslim man. Nobody was offended by the preaching. Nobody. Andrea Williams of the Christian Legal Center is advising Preacher Alu of his legal rights. This was completely an overreach of their authority. There was no basis upon which to arrest Pastor Alu. One of the officers even ripped the Bible from Preacher Alu's hands. Don't take my Bible away. Preacher Alu was reportedly driven out of the area and, in the words of the police, de-arrested and dumped in an area without money to get home. Williams said she's not sure if Preacher Alu will bring charges against the police. She says she sees cases like this against Christian preachers on almost a weekly basis. Dale Heard, CBN News. And let me tell you something. That is coming here. You better hear me. That is already here. They don't want to hear. In fact, while I was just watching this clip, I was just thinking, Facebook, you're probably going to flag me for hate speech for just showing a stinking video of the persecution of Christians. But I got news for you. Flag me all you want to. Shut me down if you want to. We're not preaching hate speech. We're preaching a resurrected Jesus. Hallelujah. We are unashamed. Jesus is alive. He is the only way. He is the only way. My God, do you hear me? I had about 10 video clips that I could show you. There's a major one that went viral of a, of a, of a preacher going down the street. He, went, he showed up in a street in Toronto, Canada, which is illegal, right on the northern border of us. And they're always held as the example. What's happening up there is coming here. This is what he said. Watch the entire unedited video, the entire thing. He's standing in the middle uh, on the corner. He's standing on the corner out of the way with a little box about this big and a headset. That's it. And a microphone. I can't remember a microphone or a headset. A little box amp this big that would probably could only be heard from here to the, to the soundstage. And it was on a gay pride day. And everything was colored in rainbows and everything. And this is what he said. I just want everyone to know that I love you, I accept you, God accepts everyone. But I'm here to tell you, I'm not here to preach against homosexual sex. I'm here to say that my Bible just simply says heterosexual sex 
outside of marriage is a sin also. I've committed that sin. I've committed sins in my life. The Lord loved me so much. He loves you too. You have worth. You have value. He continued to do this. They thronged him. They attacked him. They assaulted him. They jerked the microphone out of his hand. They called the cops on him. And by the end of the message, and he never said anything else other than that, he kept saying, he, he said, you want me to accept you? He said he would go up to one of them. And I watched him. He'd go up to him. He said, will you accept me as a Christian? They would say, no, get out of here. I don't want to talk to you. He was like, you want me to accept you, but you can't accept me as a Christian. I'm just asking you to be tolerant of the fact that I love Jesus. That's all he did. After an hour of being thronged by people from the streets, they jerked his microphone away from him and they arrested him put him in a cop car. He was getting in the car. He's like, what are you arresting me for? You have to tell me what you're arresting me for. I have not touched anyone. I have been assaulted. Why are you not arresting the ones that assaulted you? This is what the cop said. Because they didn't like what you were saying. That's what he says. Watch the video. He says, you've upset them by what you're saying, so you're going to jail. Oh, but we're a Christian nation. Mm-hmm. We're a lot of things on paper. I'm telling you right now, this is not what I was going to preach today. But this is what I'm preaching right now. I'm going to ask you some questions. What will you do if you pull up to Solid Rock Church on a Sunday morning? And you see cameras and protesters protesting in the front door trying to stop you from coming in here because they have heard that we preach there's only one way. Because I'm telling you, I'm not trying to hype you. I'm telling you, it's coming. Because right now, Solid Rock is sort of in stealth mode. He's been getting us ready. But now he's getting ready to put that out for everybody to know. Listen, I'm not preaching about us. I'm preaching about the body of Christ. There is a remnant. But right now I'm your pastor, right? So I'm talking about what's going on in here. I can't talk about what's going on in somebody else's church. I can talk about what's going on in here. Huh? Let me tell you what's going on in here. God is preparing us for thousands of people to be exposed to us and that in 66 days. There are going to be hundreds of people who are going to be drawn to a face on a poster thinking that's why they're coming, thinking they're coming to hear them preach. But what they don't realize is their spirit man, just like in Acts chapter 2, is being drawn to the sound. And they're going to sit there in that pew or stand there in that aisle or something, and they're going to say, what is going on in this place? This is that I've been looking for. I didn't think this existed anymore. Come on, are you hearing me? This is that 
my family needs. This is that what our country needs. This is that. Man, I'm coming back next Sunday, and I'm bringing somebody with me. And revival, refreshing, miracle. Is this good preaching? You asked me if I threw at 12. I said 12-ish to 12-15. I still got 15 minutes. Now watch this. 5,000 people. Let me tell you why they put Peter and John in jail that night. They put Peter and John in jail that night hoping that the people would cool off. How many know sometimes they just want to just, they ain't going to really arrest anybody, but they want to try to just settle the crowd. They thought, if I can just get Peter and John out of their face so that they're not preaching anymore, then this crowd, this movement that we can't control, that's done took some of our best men and done left us and they done joined them. If we could just get the faces of this movement out of the way just overnight, it'll calm down, and tomorrow they'll be a little bit more manageable. Acts chapter 4, verse 5. And it came to pass on the next day when they thought this thing was going to cool down, Hutch. On the next day that their rulers, elders, scribes, watch this, even Annas the high priest and Caiaphas, do you know who they are? The very ones that condemned Jesus to the cross. They are the very ones that found him guilty of blasphemy and nailed him to a cross. They showed up. They also brought some guy named John, not John we're preaching about, another guy named Alexander. And as many who were of the family of the high priest. In other words, Annas and Caiaphas went and told every one of their sons and grandsons, this is a moment that I want my whole family to witness. We got rid of him. Now today we're going to get rid of his people. So I want everybody here to watch me. <laughs> Woo! So they were all gathered there. And when they had set them in the midst, Peter and John, in the midst of, of all these that I just listed, he put them right in the middle. They were surrounded all the way around by the most powerful and elite men in Jerusalem. And when they sent him in the midst, they asked, what's this? By what power, catch the words, and by what name have you done this? Done what? They're still talking about the man at the gate called Beautiful. They still can't rejoice in the fact that the boy, the man, has never walked. And the next day, they don't want to know who did this. How did this happen? We can't deny that it happened. All we care about is by who gave you the authority. That word power is the, is the word authority. Who gave you the authority and whose name did you do this in? Oh, I love the next one, the next verse. Then, look at it. Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
is thankful that it wasn't just an Acts chapter 2 experience, that it was something happened to him that he took with him 24-7. Holy Ghost, don't come on me and come off of me, baby. He cuts grass with me. He takes a shower with me. He watches Alabama football with me. In fact, he's the one that keeps me from tearing my TV to pieces at times. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to every one of them without intimidation, you rulers of the people, elders of Israel, next verse, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him and him alone, this man's stands before you all. Hallelujah. So in other words, Peter said, so let me review your question again. You want to know by what authority and by what name. I want you to all, and not just you rulers, I love when he said, and everybody in the nation of Israel. I want you to hear my answer. You can judge me all you want to. You can lock me in prison again for doing something good for a man who could do nothing for himself. But let me be clear and answer your question. This man is only healed because of the name of Jesus, I love what he said, Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, and let me say it again, if you still think I don't believe it, who God raised from the dead. You know what I love about it? I love that he didn't just say, in the name of Jesus. He made sure he said he took care of every question that they had. First of all, he said, Jesus, you know his name. Yeshua. The, listen, you know this boy. He was raised by Joseph the carpenter. He was well known in the temple. He taught many of you, uh, talked, had, had questions for many of you priests when he was 12 years old. He's read scriptures in this temple over and over again. You know the Jesus I'm talking about. But he didn't just stop there. He said Jesus Christ. Christ wasn't his last name. Christ is the, means the word Christos, which means the anointed one or his anointing. And In the Hebrew language, it would be Hamashiach, which means the Messiah. So he said, Jesus, son of Joseph, is the Messiah. And then he made sure, he said, if there's any doubt of exactly the Jesus I'm talking about, he's the one that came from the slums of Nazareth. And I remember hearing, it's in your Bible, they said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? He goes on to say, this, talking about Jesus, is the stone which was rejected by the builders. Talking about them. Yeah. 
but you don't even realize it. He's become the chief cornerstone. He said, you might have built a structure with your hands, but we are stones in another kind of building that you don't get yet. It's called the church. It's called the anointed church. It's called the Holy Ghost church. And we are all stones built in the wall. But we were not the start of it. It was the name of Jesus that was the set chief cornerstone. And he said, let me close. This is like closing number seven for Peter. Y'all get that later. He says, let me bring this thing down for you and make it plain. Nor is there, is there salvation in any other. For there is no other. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Is that pretty clear? Is that pretty clear? You can't get no more plain than that. Listen, I love Oprah, but Oprah's wrong. Oprah will tell you she's a Christian, but then she'll also tell you that there's many paths to God. There's not many paths to God. Jesus made it clear he was the only way. And Peter just, and John, and the disciples just made it clear he was the only way. Pre-resurrection, Jesus said, I'm the only way. Post-resurrection, pouring out the Spirit of God, Peter made it as clear as he could. There is no salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given by which men and women can be saved. So Larry Raglan can't save you. Rod Parsley can't save you. Perry Stone, Clint Brown can't save you. Billy Graham can't save you. The president can't save you. Although some of y'all think if you got your candidate in there, somehow you'd be saved. I got news for you. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. What you need to start caring about is who is in your house. You care more about 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue than you do about your own street. If your joy is tied to what you see on the news when you get home from work, you need to turn that mess off and get your face in the Word of God and let this is that. Shut up. Now, I got to hurry, got to hurry, got five minutes. Now, when they saw, listen, listen to this. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, did y'all hear me? When they, because I'm going to tell you something, it takes some boldness to stand in a circle of the most, not just, not just the scribes and the Pharisees, but their whole family generations of priests police the captain of the police force with weapons drawn and they didn't hesitate but when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived 
These are just uneducated, untrained men. They marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Oh, my God, did you see that? They realized that they had been with Jesus. When you walk into work tomorrow, will you have anything on you? Now, wait a minute. I ain't asking for no shout line. I need you to think about this. Will you have anything on you this week? Will your kids... Your spouse sees something on you that will cause them to sort of just be a little amazed and marveled and say, I don't know what they've gone through. I don't know what's happening right now, but I perceive that they have been with Jesus. Huh? Or will they perceive that you are dead, doubly plucked up from the roots? Do you walk in on, on Monday cursing Monday? Or do you wake up and thank God it's Monday? Because it means Monday is harvest time, baby. Do you get up? Do you, do you complain on social media about things you wouldn't ever say public, but you think it's okay to tell millions of people? And not, under, not understanding that nobody knows what you're going through, so we're all filtering through what we already think of you. From past posts that you done got over with and moved on with your life, and we didn't know it. We didn't, we didn't read the good ones. We didn't read the good ones when you apologized for what you said. We're still living back in what you said before. So the best thing to do is not say anything but give God praise. That's the best thing. I'm closing. Will they see any kind of boldness on you? Or are you one of them silent witnesses? It was a whole movement back in the 90s up until the early 2000s of a lot of country music stars and some of the actors, and they, they put out an album. All these that sing about drinking and, and you know, knocking somebody up in the backseat of a Chevelle. And, I mean, just, uh, let's just, let's just tell, I'm going to tell it like it is, you know, going out to the bar, cheating on your wife, you know, and all this kind of stuff. They all wrote gospel. They all sang gospel songs. The only gospel song they ever sang in their life, and they put it on this album, and they called it Silent Witness. And they said, we don't preach at our concerts. We sing our songs at our concerts. But we'll, we'll, every once in a while, we'll, we'll sing Amazing Grace or something, talk about, talk about the good Lord back here. I'm not being critical of anybody's salvation because I don't know who's saved and who's not saved. But I can tell you this. I have never in my life, in all the studies of the Word of God, ever read one scripture where he ever commanded me to be a silent witness. Amen. Ever. Amen. Ever. People need to know that I've been with Jesus. People need to see that I've been in his presence. The anointing that has been in this house today, you ought to walk in Munoz today and people just turn their heads and don't even know why they're turning their heads. Don't freak out. They're not trying to hit on you. Some of y'all going to be like, did you say that? I got news for you. It ain't the way you look. It's what's on you. I'm closing. 12 o'clock straight up. But that clock's about a minute off. It ain't right. I still missed it. Now, now listen, I'm, this is my last thing we'll say. The last thing we'll say. 
they realized they'd been with Jesus. Watch this. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with him, they could not say anything against it. Next verse. Put the next verse up here. Verse 14. See? They could not say anything. Nothing. Oh, they talk like they're from Alabama. They could not say nothing. So, but so that, I'm going to skip down to verse 17, verse 17. But so that it spreads no further among the people. They, were, they, they look, we can't do nothing about this. We're just going to let them have their, their church service. But we need to stop the big picture because I got a sense that this is about to get bigger. We got to stop the big picture. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us, this is what they said to each other, severely threaten them. That from now on, they speak to no man in this name. Verse 18. So they called them, Peter and John, and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. What y'all think is about to happen? But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot speak but the things which we have seen and heard. And I like that last verse. Down in verse 22, it makes sure that everybody knows. It says, for the man, talking about the man who was healed was over 40 years old on whom the miracle of healing had been performed. Now, listen to me. This is powerful. When I read that, I've preached this so many times, and you know, sometimes you just read right over things. I don't know why. I'm sure I've seen it before, but I don't know why that jumped out at me. That the Bible made sure that you knew how long he had suffered. Some amount, he was 40 something. Do you know what 40 represents? 40 is a generation. 40 years in the Bible was considered a generation. Because they figured by the time you're 40, you've, got, you've had a few kids. And those kids are starting to grow up and get ready for the next generation. So the number 40 represents a generation. So in other words, it hit me. This was not only an actual, literal man who received this miracle, but he was also used by God, and God is intentional on everything he puts in the Bible. He, how many knows this story would have been just as powerful if we never knew how old he was? But the fact that we know how old he was, God is telling us, this man suffered for longer than Jesus ever even walked. This man was already suffering because Jesus died on the cross when he was 33. Okay? This happened. This is, this is the record of something that only happened a week and a half after he ascended to heaven. A little over 50 days from his crucifixion. But this man has been in this condition for over 40 years. So let me tell you what that means. That means he represents a suffering generation. 
of which religion has walked by him his entire existence and offered no help. Are you hearing me? Offered no help. He made sure. He wasn't, they didn't ask him. He didn't ask people to set him in front of the grocery store. He didn't ask them every day, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost, to sit him in front of the movie theater or to sit him in front of wherever people's going to be. He said, for all his life, he asked them, set me in front of the temple so that the church people can walk by me and they might can help me. And for a generation, church had church. They had great services. They packed the, the building. They had lights. They had cameras. They had screens. They had social media. They live streamed. But they walked right past somebody and could offer him nothing. But God raised up the next generation. How many knows the next generation came up and that was the generation of Jesus? Because this man was born and conceived in the generation that preceded Jesus. Jesus was born of a virgin. Peter, John, all the disciples, the apostle Paul, all of them were all born and conceived in the generation that passed this man. And 40-something years later, his own generation stopped and said, let me tell you something, I ain't got no money because that's all they've ever offered you. I can't take you to the ER. I can't put gas in your car so you can get to Huntsville, that you go to Huntsville every, come on, that's, that's an inside church thing here. Only, I mean, everybody's got those sob stories, sob stories. Many of them have just made it up because they've learned how to work the church. And the church just thinks, if I can just throw some money at the problem, just be, go away, just go away. I feel so good about myself that I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. He's like, listen, I've heard about what you do, but here's the problem. You have not stopped to help me. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I given to thee. But, but, but you've got to understand something. you got to understand something. Because if we're not careful, we will miss the fact that we will think that the reason that he was able to, to see this man healed, who created 8,000 born-again experiences and radically shook up an entire city and country through the healing of one man, we think it is just because he got Holy Ghost filled six hours earlier. Can I tell you something? He couldn't do it without that because it was the power that he had to have. But watch this. Even with the power. He understood that I am powerless. I can't channel this power. I can't use this power on my own. The way this power that is on me is activated in this miracle is in the name of Jesus. Jesus. 